Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. Uh, Patrick Rajan here again to break down the Washington football team's loss to the Arizona Cardinals by a score of 30 to 15 in week two of the 2020 NFL season. Uh, obviously, we're recording this in a much more dejected and downtrodden sentiment, uh, especially compared to the way both of us felt last week. Um, we couldn't record yesterday right after the game because our personal lives got in the way. And you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I actually think that was a good thing. It allowed the emotion, and Patrick and I were both kind of talking about this, that it allowed the emotion of the loss to yesterday to subside a little bit. And uh, let us take a step back and get a better perspective on what happened and you know, with the events of the game and all that. And with that game having transpired in the way it did, as you'd expect, um, I tried really, really hard to stay away from social media. We were just talking about this before the pod started. Knowing how many people spent today flinging their poop at each other and, and demanding that Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio all get fired and that we should bench Dwayne Haskins and we should tank for Trevor Lawrence and all the garbage shit that you usually hear from the intelligentsia that makes up DC sports fandom. You know, all of this taking place just one week after we were dancing in the streets after being the Eagles and we're talking about, you know, undefeated seasons as is apt to happen once again in the, uh, among all the rocket scientists that we consider DC sports fans. Um, And in fact, one of those latter points specifically about Haskins, I want to preface this conversation by saying that we're not going to make this podcast or this entire podcast, at least I should say a referendum on Haskins. And I I think that would be myopic at best and idiotically and painfully ignorant at worst to do so. Um, which is ironic considering that's all of our fan, all our fan base did all day today, just excoriating Haskins and it was all his fault and blah, blah, blah. And, and to that point, having taken a step back and with the benefit of, again, taking that step back and being able to let things subside, um, I don't think the outcome of yesterday's game was as much about how poorly Washington played as it was just getting flat out, flat out beaten by a better team. You can say whatever you want to about, oh, they're just the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, number one, they finished with a better record than us last year, despite playing in a tougher division, mind you. Number two, they're going in with, a, with into the second year with the same coach and the same coaching regime, by and large. And number three, whether you don't like it or whether you do, I don't really know, um, the Washington football team doesn't have Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson, and Buda Baker. We don't. I'm sorry that you had to hear that inconvenient truth, but that is the cold, hard truth. The only real players that we could have that should be even mentioned in the same breath of those guys are Terry McLaurin and Chase Young. And those two dudes showed up 15 minutes ago in the nation's capital. So there are a lot of fans around the league that are chortling about how, you know, we lost and how last week's win over Philadelphia was a mirage and this is still a really shitty team and stuff like that. And and admittedly, this team is still a couple of years away, but again, I want to emphasize that I think a lot of this was about the fact that the Cardinals are on the cusp of being a really, really good team. Shit. They might not even be on the cusp. It might turn out at season's end getting to that immediately. Um, as it was about, about Washington having a lot of work to do. And I think both of those can be actually be true, but to that, to that former point, um, Arizona has Detroit, Carolina, and the New York Jets among their next three games. So if they're not 5-0 and by mid-October, it would actually be an enormous disappointment. This could very well be a team that is either A, going to win the NFC West, or more likely be competing with Seattle, because Seattle looks really damn good right now, although I should say Russell Wilson looks incredible, but so does much of the team. Um, but as far as Washington, the Washington football team, 
The sweet smell of victory, as the saying goes, covered up this fact last week. But deep down, we all knew, and this Sunday was a painful reminder. Again, this team has a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do. I'm going to shut up now. Patrick, I'll let you chime in. Yeah, you, you're you fired up. Uh, I guess that's the difference between you and me right now. Is because I have two weeks to hang out before uh, my job starts. I have at least a full day to, to de- – you know, decompress while you're working and probably the anger builds. And I was the one interacting with people on, on social and you're right. The, the good Lord, the fan base is like, I mean, absolute lunatics. Um, I think you alluded to it to start. I'm glad we decided not to do this last night. Obviously some things got in the way, but you know, I was a little fired up last night because I was ready to <laughs> really launch into kind of a, I think I was just mad because of how poorly we played in the beginning. I don't care that we lost. I just care about how poorly we played for essentially two and a half quarters. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I, I, I think what's lost in all of this, and look, we both picked the Redskins to win this week or this past week. Yeah. We drank the Kool-Aid. Absolutely. Um, that's a little bit my fault because I kind of pushed it on you. Um, I, will, <laughs> I will acknowledge that. But the Cardinals are good, dude. The NFC West is unbelievable. Uh, the the 49ers who just won the Super Bowl are because uh, sucks to say this, but they lost Bosa today. They lost um, Jimmy G. Yeah. Jimmy GQ. Yeah. He's he's gonna be out for a little while. That team is gonna yeah. fall apart, not because that team's gonna fall apart because of injuries. injuries, not because they're poorly run because yeah. of injuries. Yep. No, no, because of injuries, and it sucks because they're in the Super Bowl last year. But then you still have to deal with the Rams. Look pretty good. Yep. The they're two and zero against the NFC East. Um, you have the Seahawks who look freaking really good aka yeah. russell wilson looks really good props to your wife for watching you, that game last night yes that that's one of the reasons why she did not want me to record during that game because she was she oh, was yeah. in her cortez kennedy jersey cortez, just well done, madam. yeah just glued to the tv um and it's painful because i was watching it and it looks like a different game than what we play um but then you have the cardinals and to your point like kyle murray dude he's good um, you you said in the in our podcast last week that he kind of reminds you in the Russell in the sense that like he's very slippery in the pocket, um, and I think the happiest that was all game was just how bad he made Troy Apke look. I was like I was like cheering because does he, it take that much? Does it take Kyler Murray to do that? No, no, it doesn't. But you put that talent on the field and it looks awesome. Um, look, they have they he throws the ball to Hopkins, who's arguably the best receiver in football. I don't care if you think he is or not. He's definitely top three. Easy. Uh, and then you, he's also throwing to arguably the second best receiver of all time. I had a little beef. I forgot who the chuckleheads commenting the game, but he was just like, you know, the Dick only person that. that could be the same sentence in Larry Fitzgerald's Jerry Rice. I'm like, Randy Moss says hello. I'm, I'm just yeah. going to put that I'm out there. I'm just going, I'm going pure stats. Sure. Pure absolutely. Stats. But yeah. Uh, that and Fitz is a, Fitz is a super smart player. Yes. Um, look, look, we, we didn't have much of a chance to win that game, even though we picked them because we drank Kool-Aid and we're Redskins fans and we really want them to do well. Uh, and then we came out and we beat ourselves in a lot of ways, right? Uh, the touchdown to Hopkins was just a flashback to the Gruden years. That I'm so tired of miscommunication in the secondary within the red zone on just simple crossing patterns. Um, and then obviously Sims fumbled the, the punt return. Obviously we had the fumble inside the red zone. Look, this team 
to your point, we're not that good. We can't make those mistakes if we if we want to win. We can't make those mistakes if we want to contend and compete with good teams. So Rivera said it after the game. We played two. We played two teams. We played the Cardinals. We played ourselves, we played and we got beat. We got beat because of it. Um, and look, I know we're going to get into it, but I'm going to just run to it, and then we can we can when we get there, we'll get there. I, I am it. a staunch I'm a staunch defender of Haskins. I think he's going to be good. I, I also think that because a couple of reasons, I think he uses talent. And also we just spent another first round pick and he's got to be good. I'm so tired of wasting resources on trying to find the guy. And I just want him to be the guy. Cause I generally kind of like him. And I think he's got a ton of talent, but two things can be true at once. Haskins has not played well and he needs to play a whole lot better for us to actually take him. Now, just saying he play is playing bad doesn't mean I'm sitting here saying we need to bench him. People Absolutely. who say bench him are lunatics. Yep. This guy deserves all 16 games, and if we go one and 15, then we take Lawrence. Who cares, right? Um, and yesterday was kind of a step back in my mind for him, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think we got beat by a better team because a they have a ton more talent. I do really like Comer. He's a stud. Uh, I think Klingsbury is an awful coach and he's going to get Murray hurt. And um, that's where we are today. We can't beat ourselves. We got beat by a better team, you know, is what it is. They will be five. Oh, not they're four and one, five and zero oh by October. I won't be shocked. We thought we were going to go one and four in our first five games at best. And we had that one win. So maybe we get to two and three now we'll see. Uh, but you know, that's, that's where we are today. We're a bad football team and we were exposed and, and here we are. It's interesting that last point. Um, if somebody before the season said you could start the season one and one, and I would give you a win against Philadelphia and a loss against Arizona, or a win against Arizona and a loss in Philadelphia, we'd be like, "Oh, give me the win against the Eagles! Like, give me the win against the Eagles now, right?" And it's yeah, exactly it's what we got. And again, we're just flinging our poop at each other. And I just I find that really really ironic. And and just uh, that's just the sad state of fandom. Again, fan is at the end of the day short for fanatic. Um, so in our building on our last segment that we did in our previous podcast in week one, we'll kind of do a three up, three down. Um, I was joking in my notes that are there really three up to go with. And it was, re- I have to admit, I struggled to actually get three up. And even to the point when we were kind of being, a I really only have one up working on this. Um, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to say as a, maybe as a very, very slight, maybe I thought once the lights turned on, and this is very much a double-edged sword. I will a hundred percent acknowledge that, that I, I, for the second straight week, I liked that the team came out in the third quarter and played better, meaning that the coaches went in, made some adjustments, kind of saw what the, you know what the opponent was doing and adjusted to that. Now, the underside of that is like, what the hell were you doing all week that you had to wait to see what they were doing until Sunday to make your adjustments? And I think that's a legit question that why do we start off so miserably slow and get absolutely ambushed in the first for two quarters of a game only to realize that like, oh shit, we're down 17, nothing. Now maybe we should start thinking about what they're doing and how to counter it. Um, but I, I did like to see that the fact that like, I think Arizona started their first two drives three and out on, in the second half, um, they at least slowed down, you know, the track meet that was the first, the first two, uh, the first two quarters that the Cardinals were just basically like the Cardinals only team that could stop the Cardinals in the first half were the Cardinals, right? Because our defense sure as shit wasn't doing it. Um, I know you disagree and I, I, I am very hard pressed to disagree with your disagreement. So I'm, yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, I do think we must have changed something because you're right. 
the the defense did come out and play a little better. I would also counter that though with their I mean their first drive started I think on our forty seven. So they didn't really have that far to go. And then they also had that Sims fumble, didn't have that far to go. So they they started with good field position and they took advantage of it. Um I the reason I can't so for those listening, Rosen does this awesome thing where he puts together a, a like outline so that when I start watching from the football game and we lose track, we actually know where we're going with this thing. Uh, and and I countered today when you said coaching adjustments because, like, to your you just said it, and Haskins talked about it in the post game. They studied and thought they were going to play a bunch of cover three, cover four, and then they didn't. And like, that's coaching in the beginning to me. I, Clingsbury and that team's been there for over a year, so I, you can't blame. Well, we didn't have preseason; we, we haven't seen that many games of them yet. We have a full year of tape on this team, so you should know what they're playing. Now, granted. Once we started getting going a little bit, we looked a little better. I also would say that Haskins looked better, though, because I think Cardinals just went vanilla. And, you know, they stopped stunning up front. Um, so Haskins finally had some more time because we have the worst offensive line in football. Um, and I do think Scott Turner did go a little more up-tempo, which if we want to talk about that, needs to happen way more because Haskins is so much better when we're, like, moving and he's not thinking. Uh, when he just plays, lights out. Um, and the other thing is, to me, it's like I – now, this has been all over Redskins Twitter. It's been on JP's podcast. He's, I'm starting to very much dislike JP. Um, but Rivera's kicking the field goal was a bad coaching decision. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, don't, 100%. I don't care about it. I don't care about the timeouts. We weren't going to win whatever people who think, Oh, well, there's a chance. Have you seen our offense? Like we weren't going to win that game, but the fourth and goal from the six down three scores, a field goal still, you're still down three scores. Like why not? Inexcusable. Go for the um, I, I, I'm not going to crush Rivera this early into the regime, but for someone who developed the reputation of quote unquote riverboat Ron, I understand he's, you know, doesn't really have the ammunition to gamble right now, but, what are you waiting for? Like, what, what, what's your upside? Exactly as you say, you kick a field goal, it's still two plus scores to down. What's yeah. your upside? The one thing I, I'm not going to crush Ron for because to this point, he's literally done everything right. Yep. Um, and every coach makes mistakes. I do think this is mistake was a little bit egregious to be fair. Uh, and, but I will give Ron credit. He stood up in the microphone and answered every question. Uh, he basically said he just wanted the, the offense to have a little bit of uh, uh, momentum. He wanted he wanted to see us put points on the board, not be shut out. Uh, which brings me to a larger point where if, if people don't understand this is a full rebuild, listen to Rivera. He's been telling, telling us for months now, and he is in full-on rebuild mode because we kicked that field goal. Uh, he just wants a little success. But that's why I countered with the coaching adjustments. Yeah, mm-hmm. we looked a little better, but I, I think Arizona's defense kind of dialed it back. I think their offense um, – was not scared of our defense. They went for it on fourth down twice when if they screw up, we could be right back in the game. Um, and Rivera kicking the field goal is why I countered a little bit on why I didn't think it was up. But to be fair, I do agree that, you know, we at least did some different things because we actually look like a more confident team in the, in the second half. But that needs to happen at the 15-minute mark in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, like I said, I was hard pressed to disagree with that. I was like, no, I mean, even as I was writing it, I'm like, I'm kind of writing this cause I need to get to three positive things to say. <laughs> oh, um, I only had one. So exactly. Although, 
Although your second one, I tend to agree with. Yeah, so, so we'll to highlight it, Antonio Gibson and you very astutely added uh, J.D. McKissick. I thought both of them played well. Um, you know, Gibson, we in our preseason um, like preview, whatever you want to call it, we we you know talked a little bit about Christian McCaffrey light, and I think there is a there are elements of that for sure. Um, I think Turner or Rivera came out today and said that they had to kind of have to do a better job of leveraging him or using him. Um, in, in getting the ball in his hands a little more. Um, if I'm going to go back to the coaching, sometimes the run pass selection leaves my head scratch. It uh, leaves me scratching my head a little bit when Scott Turner's calling plays, but it's not egregious. Like it's just, sometimes it seems just a little piecemeal and spot in spotty, but all of that being said, um, Gibson played really well. And especially as the offense started to get a little bit of rhythm in the second half, maybe some of it was in garbage time, but you know, he, remains a positive in this he play he's he's a good player um there's more upside than downside to him and um you know he's he is dynamic he is one of the to to the point you keep harboring and we'll talk much more about this he is one of the few dynamic players in this offense and i think jd mckissick as well like i was a sleeper jd mckissick guy entering the season uh, despite all my pessimism about generally everything and he was a bright spot and I do like the dual threat ability he brings as well I thought he was overlooked in Seattle as mentioned previously if they get a cup of coffee in Detroit if I'm not mistaken and yeah, he was um, there last year and uh, he played he played well in the spot duty that he had so yeah yeah I, look Gibson scored his first touchdown uh, he averaged four yards a pop in the week one he was I think over four yards in this game uh, and some of the jump cuts remind me of, you know, just having watched AP for two years. He, he is quick on his feet. He's big. Uh, he makes defenders miss. Uh, and McKissick hit the hole hard and ran the ball really well. I was actually kind of surprised at how well we ran the ball, um, considering how just atrocious our offensive line is. Um, and Barber only got one carry, and that one carry was a third and one, picked up two yards, and we got him off the field. Served his purpose. Um, look, the running game was pretty good. Uh, and something we hopefully can build on. Uh, and, you know, Gibson and McKissick, I thought both were not terrific, but good in what their roles were supposed to be. My only, I said one and a half, my frustration with them actually has nothing to do with them. And it's, it's a lot to do with Scott Turner. Uh, we have such a bad offensive line. I'm not really sure why we're not getting Haskins on the move more with bootlegs and things just to get him outside the pocket and away from, you know, the rush. But we, I don't think we've thrown a single screen to a running back. Like I kind of expected us to throw a lot of screens and I don't remember a single screen. He had a little flare out to Gibson that lost us like three yards, but that was not a screen. That was just kind of a dump down. Uh, I feel know, like there was inside play. one, there was one drive. I can't remember. I have to go back in my notes where they started the drive they hit a, a like a rocket screen to Sims, and the one right before that was a rocket screen to either Sim, to McKissick or to to Gibson. But it is something that is underutilized in our offense for sure. But I feel like there's one. Yeah, yeah I, I I can't remember. I I know there's been multiple screens I can think of to Sims, and both of the two I'm thinking of have both resulted in big plays. So do that more often because um, he's electric when he's in space. Uh, but look, they were good. I I think they could be used a little better. Um, you know, I'm also the guy, you know, five beers deep on a Sunday yelling at the TV because we're, you know, awful. But um, I do think 
for as well as those two played, I think they need to be used uh, a little more dynamically in the passing game because uh, I will harp on it to the day I die, uh, well, at least right now. But our offense just has zero playmakers. We have Terry. That's it. You're not wrong. So, and and to the, to putting a, using that as your segue, um, the only bright spot you have to absolutely say is Terry McLaurin. Um, I will absolutely say this that like he's so good when McLaurin had was was excellent 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 last year and because of my cynicism in general and because of see like I've always been very wary of what the, the if you want to call the term sophomore slump so I'm like after a rookie as a, uh, a first year NFL player i.e. a rookie has a big year I'm always like watch out for that second season sometimes they tend to you know have a regression and then they could you know progress back forward after the third or fourth year so it's a little wary of McLaurin fully realizing that his head is screwed on so perfectly and he's just such a you know he's such a refined player and so polished and so mature yada yada point of all is McLaurin is really really good he was so impressive yesterday he's a stud he made Patrick Peterson legit look like Patrick Peterson had cement issues and Peterson's on the on the downside of his career admittedly Peterson is still absolutely a top six at worst cornerback in the NFL and Peter uh, McLaurin was beating him like a rented mule like it was it was magnificent to watch um we'll break this down a little further as well when we get into the one of the big whipping boys of the game but on the the fumble that McHaskins had everyone has been talking about this that McLaurin was wide open and credit to one of my friends who's a, a WFT fan as well like he we were in our ongoing slack thread he was just like listen McLaurin is open every single play like he's every open play. every play and it's really hard to disagree with that it's like if you really go back and watch I don't do any all 22 shit myself um I pretended sometimes I was going to but I'm never I'm not I didn't I'm not gonna spend, spend money too on much, it too much time it's too it's way too time intensive um yeah. but he I'm sure if you really did that like at least 80% of the time you're like yeah that dude's open right he's really really good he is again going back to the whole thing I was talking about the star power on, in, on Arizona like he's the only one where you could put that name in that mix and you're like yeah he's just as good if not better than some you know some or if not many of them like he's excellent and um I mean if this offense has a lot of problems but he ain't one of them yeah, he's he's legitimately a number one receiver um he is next level good he runs the sub four four his routes are precise to your point his head is like perfectly screwed on uh and you're right every time i was looking before we started recording on mark bullock was was doing his like all 22 breakdown of haskins and one of my favorite things is every time he's like I'm not really 100 sure what haskins is doing here or he'll say something like you know good read from haskins but he should have peaked mclaurin because mclaurin's always open always open um so i forget exactly what score he got from uh, pro football was it pff whatever yeah, it's called yeah. and yeah. i i don't know how how much people are into their analytics i think they are interesting and there definitely times where I'm like, that makes no sense to me. But um, my favorite one today was yards after a catch, uh, which is a critical wide receiver statistic in my opinion. Um, he led the league in all receivers of yards after catch with 84, with the second closest being CeeDee Lamb with 58. Um, the touchdown he had, he caught it and just took off. Um, and my frustration with Haskins and Look, I said in the beginning, I'm very pro Haskins, but he didn't target McLaurin until late in the second quarter. He in needs the second to be targeted. Straight week. Yeah, he needs to be targeted like 10 to 15 times a game. I don't care if they're all incomplete. He's just throwing the ball. Uh, I don't know if you remember his catch along the sideline against the Jets last year. He had no business catching the ball, and he went up and just took it away from the quarterback. Like, he is 
contested, great. Open field, he's great. His quick slants are great. He had one drop, which Haskins actually threw a pretty nice ball. Damn, Carr's dealing. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he's he's our only stud. I I was thinking about this today. I so that play you referenced when he ran kind of a you know a little bit of a drag route into the back back left end zone when we fumbled. This is this is where our, on Twitter I got into it a little bit. And this is where my my thought process of two things can be true at once. Yes, Haskins missed him. Also, Haskins had no chance to find him anyway because by the time he got to his drop, he was dead dead in the rights. Um, but if I'm the Washington football team, hashtag the Redskins, I'm targeting him. Like I'm kidding you not, I would I would throw him the ball first play of the game next uh, against the Browns. I don't care if the whole world knows it's coming. I'd still throw on the ball. Um, our offense is Terry McLaurin. It's only Terry McLaurin. I don't mean to sound doom and gloom, but I think we have one of the worst offenses in the last two or three years in the NFL. Um, it's not a fault of Scott Turner. I don't think it's a fault of Haskins. I just don't think he, we don't have anybody to throw to, and he doesn't have time to throw to anyone. Uh, so the fact that Terry is as good as he is when he is – the number one focus every week is remarkable to me. And I'm, we just need to get him the ball right away because he's the stud. So two things. Um, I was going back in for fantasy football analysis and just my own kind of building my notes for things I want to write about. I was going back last week and I was looking at the um, – I was kind of seeing because I saw some of the Packers' secondary wide receivers pop and I was, I was looking into some of that stuff. And um, I um, – I was looking at like Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scandling and like Alan Lazard and those guys and yada, yada, so forth. And I was like, oh, I wonder. And then point of where I'm going with all of this, I saw Aaron Rodgers targeted Devontae Adams like 17 times in one game. And I was, kind of laughing. I was laughing to myself and I'm like, well, you know, that makes sense. That's his guy. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Like to your point, throw it to him. What are you risking at this point? Not giving him 15 targets. Like, what are you risking? I don't know. Right? I don't know. He's like, the only offensive weapon we have. So, yeah, um, I'm going to use – I'm going to – we can talk every week about Terry McLaurin. He's great. We'll save the conversation for another. I want to get into the, to the real shit show and emphasis on shit show in every sense of the word, and that's the offensive line. Um, the offensive line was trash yesterday, and no one of the five members of that offensive line gets exempted from this. And I mean every single one of those five players was just hot garbage at some point. They revealed their rancid – garbageness at different points in the game and all made sure to get exposed at some point to, so that none of them stuck more than the other. Right. And the first and goal from the eight, the Haskins fumble, I think it was a microcosm of, of Washington's I, I, of the problems that they had on the line yesterday. And I watched this play at least 20 times because it's just a perfect storm of, of fuck. Right. Uh, it was awful. Okay. So in my notes, I'm breaking this down to start off. Uh, Jordan Phillips, good, talented defensive tackle. He bounced around a couple of teams already, but he was a second-round pick, if memory serves me correctly. Smokes, smokes like a wonderful, tender brisket. Smokes Brandon Sheriff off the line, right? It's not close. Like, it looked like a professional dude playing against an amateur pickup player, right? It was absolutely embarrassing. And this is Brandon Sheriff, by the way. Right. And Jordan Phillips is the one who ultimately sacks and swipes Haskins a hand and forces the fumble. Right. But 
he kind of takes a longer elongated route to hit Haskins as he's doing so. However, Haskins can't step up in the pocket because the nose tackle, I can't, I couldn't get a good look exactly who it was, but it's one of the defensive tackles on Arizona. Again, our boy Wes Martin gets, gets put right into Haskins lap. I mean, the guy just, he gets, he puts on Wes Martin on ice skates and in, so Wes Martin is on top of Haskins in one, in one area. And then you've got the other, uh, you've got um, Jordan Phillips kind of like screaming off the, off the edge. Right. And then on top of that, to, to make matters even worse on all of this, you've got those two guys already getting collapsed. And then they brought a delayed blitz right up the middle. And I couldn't get a close look. I think it was Devondre Campbell, the guy who's covering Logan Thomas all day, or maybe Jordan Hicks. It's one of those two linebackers. Point being an athletic guy, right? So they come screaming down the middle on a delayed blitz. Chase Roulier never sees it. And it's right up Rulier's gap. I don't know if they call it the A gap or the B gap. I can't remember exactly. But whatever fucking gap it is, it's Rulier's gap. And Rulier's actually got his back turned, like literally has his back turned to the blitz. Like, what are you looking for? Like, it looked like he was trying to flag Gatorade from the, off the, from the, the sideline or something. And the blitz is screaming down. Gibson, because he's a rookie and doesn't really know what he's doing, misses the block. And that guy nails Haskins on the lower end. So Haskins can't even, like, get to recover his own fumble so he's getting sandwiched by three different dudes now the sack fumble is going to go on to haskins but think about this 60 percent of his offensive line just fucked him over in one particular play you can talk about the fact that he you know the throw he never made the throw that we fumbled in the red zone that terry mclaurin was wide open on the play but that one particular play like i said encompassed everything on that one arizona had no fear of blitzing us two they blitzed us in a variety of different ways that our incompetent offensive line had no idea to handle and three they couldn't handle basic blocking to begin with so what's left? Well, you, you definitely did a better job of breaking this play down uh, than I can. Um, the only thing I'll add is I think it's the worst rep play, whatever you want to call it, I've ever seen from Brandon Scherf. Um, he gets smoked so fast. And the shitty part about our line is it's so bad. He has to be perfect. Yep. So I think, I think what happens is people are like – a little quick to jump on Sheriff a little bit just because his mistakes are more glaring in my opinion, because everyone like we shouldn't have to worry about him. Let's put it that way. Now I said this on Twitter and I took a little heat for it uh, to be fair, but and it's only because he got injured. He was playing horribly beyond that snap. Uh, that was one of the worst games I've ever seen Brandon Sheriff play in my entire life. And then he got hurt. So like, you don't want to talk negatively about him. It came out today. He has a sprained MCL about three to five weeks. But he played really bad. And I, I like, for a guy that's going to demand, uh, what, what, what's he making, like $16 million on the tag right now? Uh, if he wants to be paid like a top three guard in the league, he's got to play a lot better. He's gotta, he also got to stay healthy. I think he lost a lot of money in this game. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really even know what to start with the offensive line. I think um, – the worst part about the offensive line is the highest graded offensive lineman yesterday was Jerron Christian. Uh, that's that's scary. That's bad news. <laughs> uh, I, you know, Moses had the holding call that basically caused us to kick that damn field goal because it pushed us from the six all the way back to the 16. Um, and, you know, Sheriff was terrible. They got sick. You know, what's kind of, sad to think about is I didn't notice Sheriff was playing so poorly. I didn't notice he was gone. Um, Wes Schweitzer. Schweitzer, Schweitzer came in. He must have played half decent because I didn't notice him at all. Hear his name. Yeah, I didn't hear his name, which is 
all you want is an offensive lineman, unless he's catching a ricocheted pass from Mitchell Trubisky for a first down. I do not want to hear an offensive lineman's name. Uh, I don't know if you saw it play in the Bears game. Terrific. Um, but Ruye beat like a drum. Um, I mentioned the Mark Bullock uh, thread he has on the L22. There's one where he literally calls Ruye out so bad. He get, I don't even know if he touches the defensive tackle. Dude just runs right by him. Uh, West Martin sucks. Christensen sucks. Something's got to go here. I don't know what Rivera's going to do. I know he's very much in the – oh, man, Kamara's really good. Uh, I know he is all in and letting young guys play, and, and, like, that's his thing right now, trying to figure out – he's basically turning over every rock to see what he's got. But, like, Sadiq Charles, whatever you're doing, man, please, for the love of God, practice every day so you can play left tackle. Um, you know, I, when Sheriff comes back, maybe you put what's his name? Shit's Creek. What's his name? Yep. Scheicher. Shit's Creek. Uh, <laughs> at left guard. Ruye. I mean, I, I know a lot of Redskins fans defend him. And, and I told you my buddy hates him just with an unbridled passion. I don't really know why, but he does. Um, maybe we try Ishmael there. Maybe we try Ishmael at center and move Ruye to guard. I don't know. What. We can't lose much at this point. We can't. There's no, there is nothing to lose. And that's the hard part for me is everyone's going to criticize Dwayne and fair or not, he's going to be judging this year and he's got no chance. He's got no one to throw the ball to. And he, if he's in the pocket, he's screwed. Um, look, our O-line, that's why I said I was surprised our running game was actually as strong as it was. But Chandler Jones is a stud. Outside of that, the line slash linebacker crew of Arizona does not scare him. Me at least, I don't. I don't think they're that good. Um, and here we are, week two. Already talking about that. We have one of the worst lines in football. I would argue probably the worst line in football. Um, I'm not sure who would be worse at this point. At the risk of recency, Cincinnati's was really bad. I don't know if you watched the Thursday night game. I mean, God bless Joe Burrow, but Burrow. It was, it, Cincinnati's was really, really bad, um, which is sad because we're comparing the team with the number one overall pick to the team with the number two overall pick in this past draft um, and debating yep. who's worse in that capacity. Um, My point is, is like, the, regardless if we're the worst or the second worst or the third worst, right? You already just said it. Like, It's only two games in. And I already know we need to change something on the offensive line. Um, just see what else is there. I mean, we drafted Ishmael, put him in. We have Sadiq Charles, who's practiced for two full weeks now, healthy, every practice. Like, get him some live reps. It can't be worse than what we got. Literally can't be worse. I don't know for the glory to history that this franchise has had on its offensive line and for some of the studs. I mean, forget let's, – let's just forget – even in the post-hogs era, you have, you know – Chris Samuels, you have Trent Williams, among many others that I'm still missing at this point. God, John Jensen's one of my favorite Redskins of all time. Trey Johnson's one of my favorite Redskins of all time. Like those oh, guys, right? Like just these big studs that we've had. This may be the first time in a long time where you look at the starting five and I'm like, I'm comfortable replacing all five of them. All five. They're, they're all bad. All of them, right? I, I, I was probably as staunch a Sheriff defender for a long time. Sheriff hasn't been right in two and a half seasons so far. Yeah. And right. like sucks that it got hurt because he got rolled up on and I'm glad it's not worse than what it is. Cause I thought it, I, when I saw the replay, I was like, see you later, but he's hurt. And then when he plays, he hasn't been good. I mean, it's time to call spade a spade. After 16, I think Scherf was the 2016 draft. If memory serves, 15 or 16, 15, I want to say, right. So let's just say for the sake of argument, cause I think 16 was Josh Dotson. So that would make Scherf the 2015 15. draft. 
So, right. So Sheriff was 15. So I would say in 15, 16 and 17, I would fight people saying Sheriff is better than Zach Martin in Dallas. That Sheriff's the best is the second best offensive interior offensive lineman in the game next to like Marshall Yanda in Baltimore. Right. I was like, I, I will fight people on that one that he's better than Zach Martin. But if I'm starting my franchise today, Burgundy and gold glasses fully acknowledge. I want Sheriff over Zach Barton. Like I would have fought anyone on that. I can't after that, like over, like I said, over the t- two plus seasons, Brandon Sheriff ain't the same guy. I don't know what happened. It is not injuries. It's, it's not bad, but whatever it is, he has not been the same guy. And it's really frustrating to see, to hear, to say that. Um, yeah. I mean, I said it earlier, if, if we want to be remotely competitive, offensively at least, Sheriff has to be perfect. And, um, you know, he's playing at a C level probably at best. At best. Um, and it sucks to think – it. Morgan Moses is our best offensive lineman. That's a problem. Um, you know, and – It's sad, but I've it's been hard, I've been I've been hard on Moses – He's been a fairly good right tackle. He's been a very durable right tackle, even if he hasn't been great. But the fact that he's our best offensive lineman is, um, you know, it just sucks. It's not good. We we won't go anywhere anywhere fast with what we got. Um, it's sad. It's sad. It sucks. But I think it's the reality. And they're worse than the safeties. And the safeties aren't good. Yeah, so, I, I was going to say, we'll just put a button on the safety so we can get to Haskins and kind of do our dive into that one. Um, you're more optimistic than I was about Landon Collins. I, I am growing increasingly disenchanted with this Landon Collins. If Landon, to me, I'm going to say it right now, even after a win last week and what happened this Sunday yesterday, yesterday uh, if Landon Collins is not a member of the team next year, I, I'm not broken. I'm not broken up. I, I don't think we'll miss anything. I think at best he is value over replacement player in terms of what he's bringing to the table at the moment. I understand the interception that's delightful. I don't think he did anything particularly special on the interception. I think it was just an errant throw by Murray or just a bad decision. Um, I don't, there's nothing when I watch Collins from the comfort of my couch where I'm like, he did that because he is a more talented slash more prepared slash more skilled player than value over replacement player. Uh, so I, like I said, I'm less, less, um, optimistic about him than you are. And Troy Apke, I mean, what the fuck is left to say about him? Like that, that guy is, is, is 50 shades of, of, of trash, right? Like he's not even hot garbage. Cause I don't want to be that mean to hot garbage. Um, the first Kyler TD, I think it was, it was the first or second one, uh, Kyler broke his ankles, which you can say a lot of things, but it's just kind of par for the course for Troy Apke. Cause he's fucking terrible. Um, there was a deep pass to Andy Isabella who like never shows up at any point ever. And I'm like, Andy Isabella's one skill is that he's a really fast white guy. Troy Apke, your one redeeming quality is that you were a really fast white guy and you get smoked by the other really fast white guy. Like, what is it that you do here? Cause it ain't tackling, you know, it ain't covering like, what is it that you actually bring to the table? Because I'm out of answers. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about Troy Apke. I'm exhausted talking about him. I've been saying for two years now, I think he's the worst player in the league. Yep. I actually think he's the worst player in the National Football League. Um, and I disagree with I, you. I'm, like, a little annoyed with people on Twitter that are saying, like, oh, give him time. There's just what one time? dude. I'm going to call this dude out. He probably won't listen to our podcast, but his, his Twitter handle is Rochaser1967. Dude is so defensive of Rapke. It's ridiculous. I bet you he's probably also saying we should bench Haskins at the same time. Uh, uh, probably. Look, I'm not going to talk about Apke. Everyone who knows, who listens to this podcast or follows 
or Twitter, <laughs> frankly, knows how much I think this guy is just atrocious and doesn't belong in the league. And like, I don't care if we put Cam Curl in there. I don't care if we put Fuller in there. I don't care if we play with just one safety. As long as he's not in the field, we're a better team. I'm just going to leave it at that. I did give Hunt Collins a little bit of a pass because of the pick. Uh, I thought the pick was actually kind of sweet. And I, you know, that was actually a really critical part in the game because he set us up in really good field position to actually, you know, make it a competitive football game. Obviously, that did not happen. Uh, but I do agree with your, like, I'm not going to miss paying him $20 million or whatever his contract is uh, for an in-the-box safety who, frankly, hasn't done a ton. Um, you know, we – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip my cap to you. You've been saying we need to fix the safety position for literally as long as I've known you, which is roughly um, 10 years. I don't know how long it's been. Some in that neighborhood. And, yeah, and, and fun fact, Raj and I have never met. Um, uh, but I gave a pass just because of the pick, but I, I said it early on. I am so tired of second and goal from the four. Someone runs a simple crossing route cornerback passes him off to the safety and he just runs in and he's wide open. How do you leave the best player on the field that wide open? And as soon as Hopkins caught it, you know, you, you see uh, Collins put his, put his hands on his head. And I was just like, dude, like, what, what are you worth? We were paying you so much money and you're just not very good. Uh, he was an all pro before he came to DC. He always talked about wanting to play for the Redskins. He idolized Sean Taylor. Of course, we signed another safety who idolized Sean Taylor. That turns out to be mediocre. Uh, but I do give him a pass. The, the pick was awesome. Uh, I like Collins, but he is not worth the money. Too often we give big contracts to people who don't change the game, and that's my problem with him. He doesn't change the game. I guess um, value, there's no value over a replacement player in my perspective. Yeah. I think there's – I think he's, but if, with the skill that what outside of the pick and whatever and supposedly the intangibles and locker room and blah, 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 all of those types of things, all of that notwithstanding, I don't think from an – game to game impact perspective he brings anything that your standard third late third round pick that you could get at any draft at any point would bring and i don't think there'd be any difference yeah having said that i'm all in on just playing him at safety and that's it um he can play both free and strong as long as apke's not on the field I, we can have 10 people on the field i yep. don't care i don't think it'd be any worse he it makes, really wouldn't apke makes reed dowdy look like an all pro yeah I mean, yeah, he makes he makes Reed Dowdy look like you know Ronnie Lott. So um, it's funny. I was trying to discern the number of years you were talking about, like if that's accurate. And I just distinctly remember pre two thousand twelve NFL draft, and you were like, when we were having conversations, you're like, I know we're gonna get Griff. I love Griff. But you, Russell Wilson, Russell. Russell Wilson. You got you don't don't sleep on Russell Wilson. I distinctly remember that. So it really has been that long. Taken. We should have taken. I distinctly remember you talking about it. So it really has been, you know, that really that long. Fun fact about Russell Wilson, and I'll, and I'll let, let us move on to quarterbacks. I'm lined up at safety. I'm in eighth grade. Uh, and we're at my high school. We're playing in Richmond against Richmond Collegiate, which is Russell's high school. Russell lines up at uh, running back. And I distinctly remember having played them the year before when we were in seventh grade. And I was like, wait, he's the quarterback. Why is he at running back? First play of the game. It's a toss sweep to Russell. He gets the ball. He's, he's in the corner. I come sprinting up. <sighs> Meanwhile, tight end just goes <clears throat> right by me. And I'm like, oh, shit. Russell stops on a dime and throws an absolute frozen rope. And we're in eighth grade. I'll never forget it. Uh, I made the tackle. 
after about a 50-yard game. But I will never forget it because as an eighth grader, the way he threw football was different. And I was like, holy shit. And now he's dropping bombs to DK Metcalf left and right. DK Metcalf, man, everybody owes that dude an apology. We called him the aircraft carrier because he couldn't turn. Um, I think he's doing just fine. He's fine. Um, Let's talk about quarterbacks, though, for our team. Dwayne Haskins. Uh, man, I um, – you could spend another got a lot hour. Of, I got a lot of notes on Dwayne. Hour just on this. Um, I am literally of two minds on this. I think you can crush him in many cases. I think the one thing that I was writing my notes during the game, the thing that I always get weary, like the NFL has this enchantment with strong armed quarterbacks, right? And I understand it. You need the, the, the windows are tight. The players are fast, yada, yada, right? Like I get it. But one of the big struggles that players of this ilk face is that they make a lot of fuck it throws right and what i mean by that is you know, your mechanics can break down you're making bad decisions because your thought process is fuck it my arm is strong enough i can get away with this and i can fit that tight window type of throw right and i think there's a lot of that with haskins in the sense that he's just kind of hucking it in many cases if you sit and watch the decisions he's making you're like that's what you came away with on that play like to throw it there um and a lot of times whether he's pressing whether he's flustered, whether he doesn't know what he's seeing, I don't fully know. I'm not privy to that type of level of information, but there just seems to be a lot of fuck it, let's huck it really hard and see what happens. And there's that, and there's a second part of all of this where I've always been, one of the big things in my really, really amateurish scouting when I'm watching quarterbacks is like, does the strong arm quarterback know to use your baseball, to use your baseball metaphor, like when to throw the fastball and when to throw the changeup, right? and to vary the speeds on the throw. And I think that was really what discerns the great quarterbacks from the not as great quarterbacks. Haskins has no concept of that. There were many, many throws in week one and week two where he's just frozen roping it when there was no need, when he needed to feather it into the place that was there. Like if there's an open zone, you don't need to rifle it as hard as you can. You need to drop into the open zone where your guy is, right? I think there was one red zone throw to Logan Thomas that he just ripped yeah, I was gonna it. Reference, I was going to reference this throw. He just ripped it. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Like you just need to drop that in. There was an open patch of grass in front of him. Just put that in there. He had the tight end or the safety or, was, or linebacker was coming and beat. Um, there was a lot of that. Now, the other side is, um, there's two points on this. The other side is you have to, have to, have to acknowledge, you alluded to this earlier, the uphill battle that he's faced, right? It's not even fair to still call him a second-year quarterback because, I mean, you can in many cases call him a first-year quarterback, recognizing this is his second year in the league. But again, new regime, new coaching staff, unprecedented offseason, all the stuff that we've talked about previously, right? Um, you have that. And I think one thing that a lot of people are kind of missing the obvious here, I was going back and I was reading some of the pre-draft stuff on Haskins. And it was fascinating because some of the stuff, like in particular, the draftnetwork.com, which anybody who's like a pseudo draft nerd, like I would recommend they do great work. Um, this is what they wrote on Haskins. That's, you have to that's you, by the way. And they, um, and they, they are completely objective. They don't, they don't give a shit about anything. Like, you know, some of them are fans of particular teams, but they're just seeing, writing what they see, right? Here's what they wrote about Haskins. Tends to get a bit flustered when he's under pressure. Um, 
has some ugly reps after he gets batted around early or he faces a lot of early pressure in the game and he has early reps later on in the game. Tends to freeze up if his primary read unexpectedly becomes unavailable. Uh, willing and able to pull triggers on, you know, tough frozen rope sideline passes, but can tend to get a little wild with his placement. He is what he is at this point, and I think... I think if you said that about his performance yesterday, nothing is different. I think that that's, that's Dwayne Haskins in many cases. And what needs to happen in what the development of Haskins as much as anything else, we've talked about his intangibles. We've talked about who he is and what he wants to be. It's corralling that and trying to fix the blemishes around his game. If you expect him to be Drew Brees, expect him to be Peyton Manning, expect him to be Tom Brady in terms of the way they play the game, like that's just not his game right? You have to understand that these, these, that's one, not who he is, but two, there's a lot of warts that we're cleaning up. Just because he came from a sexy offense, from a sexy school, doesn't mean that he is this polished product. And we're going to go through these growing pains, especially because what, this is still his, what, eighth, tenth start? I, didn't, I don't even know He's what it is. Nine starts. Okay, so there you go, right? Um, I, I think the coaching staff is very well aware of this. And I think they are aware that there's a nice ceiling. There's a, it's a, it's a high enough ceiling, but there's a lot of stuff that they need to clean up. And I think that comes from who Haskins is, what he played in at Ohio state, the lack of repetitions he had at Ohio state. And, um, and, and you know, just his general makeup from a physical and from a ta- football talent perspective. Yeah. So I agree with one of your points. Uh, and I disagree with one of your points. Love it. But that is why that is why we don't get paid to make these big decisions. Um, look, I started this podcast saying, you know, and I do it almost every podcast now, which is maybe not a good thing. Um, I I really like Haskins. I think a lot. There's a lot there to work with, which is what I'm excited about. But I said in the beginning, two things can be true at once. Let's start with with the obvious. Haskins has been bad. Um, I don't care if you think uh, he's the second coming of Peyton Manning. I don't care if you hate him so much. You want Kyle, you want Alex Smith to start, and you know, like you're you're like so far. I don't care, right? Haskins has been bad. He's dead last in the league in QBR, um, just slightly below Wentz, thirty uh, third. He's actually slightly below Drew Brees as well, which is kind of weird. Uh, but through two games, he has been bad. He misses way too many throws. Uh, the two throws that stand out to me are the bootleg uh, against the Eagles where he just whiffed on McLaurin. Um, actually, yeah, there's three throws that stand out to me. There's one in the late in the first half. Oh, man, there's like five throws. This is bad. Uh, late in the first half or driving, he missed Inman on third and two. That has to be just an easy NFL completion. The worm uh, and then when he threw it at his feet. Uh, yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's just – also, Inman's terrible. Cut him. Uh, but – that's got to be completed. And then the pass to Thomas is also very interesting to me. And this is the part that I agree with, which is Haskins has no idea what to do with his arm. He's got a cannon rocket, whatever you want to call it. And he puts a little touch in that ball to Thomas and it's a touchdown and we're right back in the game, but he threw it too hard. And, and I don't even know if Thomas had time to react to it. Haskins threw the ball so fast. His, Biggest problem in my mind is he gets in the pocket and instead of stepping in the throws, he just flicks his wrist and the ball just explodes out of his hand and causes accuracy issues and he just throws it too hard. I am 100% on board with your point on he doesn't understand when to put touch on the ball. Um, you know, I, 
McLaurin had a drop late in the third quarter, I think maybe. Um, and it was a drop. Terry, Terry does some bad things too. Uh, but the difference between, say, Russell and, and Dwayne there is Russell puts so much air under the ball, it literally just drops in the receiver's arms and they literally can't drop it. Uh, Haskins threw that ball 100 miles an hour. And, you know, you expect Terry to catch it, but I don't fault him for not catching because over the shoulder, the ball humming, and he dropped it. So, look, QBR dead last, misses too many receivers. And I think the one thing that a lot of people are waiting for, the one thing I'm personally waiting for, is for him to make the team better. And I don't think yet he has made the team better. Now, some of that has to do with his supporting cast. He threw a ball down the sideline to Logan Thomas in our first series uh, yesterday, and Thomas dropped it. And that's a, it's a play a good tight end has to make. It wasn't easy, but a good tight end makes it helps his, um, helps his quarterback out. But he hasn't elevated the team around him. And that is, I think, what I'm waiting for, for him to take this next step to be really good. Because once that happens, like Burrow elevated his team. I know he has a far superior supporting cast. And people who sit there and say he doesn't – I think you tweeted this last night. Like the Herberts, the, the Burrows, they have so many people to throw the ball to. Get off my lawn. Um, but to be fair, they also elevated their team and made everyone better around them. Hassan hasn't quite done that yet. The only time we really see flash in the pan are when he hits McLaurin in stride and McLaurin's speed takes off down the sideline, right? Uh, I think about the Eagles touchdown last year for 75 yards where he caught an uh, in route and then just took off. You know, he made Peterson look bad when he caught the slant yesterday and then took off. So those are my problems with Dwayne right now. The one thing I will challenge you on, I actually think Dwayne makes good decisions. I'm not saying the ball's ever perfect. But in nine starts, he's only turned the ball over four times. That is a huge positive. I don't care how you look at it. And one of those was the fumble yesterday. Uh, they play yesterday? Today, Monday? Yeah. So the fumble yesterday, and that's not his fault, right? He turned the ball over five times in his first two relief appearances. I don't think he gave a fuck in those games, uh, wasn't prepared, you know, Gruden's involved in those games, et cetera. But four times in nine games is good. Now, you counter with, like, take more chances, dude. Uh, but with our team and the way it's built, we can't afford to turn the ball over. So I appreciate the fact that he hasn't turned the ball over. And B, I'm basing all of this on Mark Bullock. So if I'm wrong, you can blame him. Haskins generally makes the right read. The problem is, to your point, he just like the ball placement's wrong or he'll throw it too hard or he'll just – he has a tendency to sail throws. Man, dude sails throws left and right. So that's kind of where I stand on him. Now, there's a couple things I think that need to be pointed out. One, I said it earlier, just because I'm bashing Haskins because he didn't play well doesn't mean I want him benched. I want him to grow. In his seven starts last year, he got better every start. And you could see it. He became more comfortable. And then those last two starts against the Giants and Eagles, he straight up balled. We just weren't good enough to beat him. And then he got hurt in the Giants game, I think. And we almost won in overtime. Thank God we lost. Thank you for chasing him. Uh, Haskins has nine starts. He's three and six. Daniel Jones has 15 starts. He's three and 12. And he can't stop turning over the football. And he turns the ball over. I mean, he's got to be the most – Turnover prone quarterback. I mean, that play. I think it actually per start. I think he is in history, if I'm not mistaken. I saw something about that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think about that pick he had after a 16 play drive against the Steelers. It was brutal. I literally, Ellie, my wife, doesn't give two shits about the Redskins. I literally turned to her and said, "Haskins doesn't make that throw," and even she was like, "I don't think anyone should make that throw." Right? I mean, 
my point is I, I there's there's things to work with with Haskins. There's talent. Um, thank God we don't have to make these decisions because ultimately he's throwing the ball to Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was Virginia Tech's quarterback. Yes, he was drafted as a quarterback, and he's our starting tight end. I would to your point, and I, I tweeted this from our, from our account. The guy who was like, you know, bur- like the the Bengals have a worse supporting cast. It's like you're an idiot. And I I, had really, I said like, find me Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, and AJ Green on on, on the Washington. Don't forget, the they have T Higgins, right? Exactly. Let's not even talk about the fact that they devoted a, a second round pick to T Higgins, who's probably a late one in terms of pure talent, right? Find me those guys. Just find me Joe Mixon. Just 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 find me Joe Mixon. Just just that, right? Let alone AJ Green, Tyler Boyd two-time thousand-yard receiver, right? Find me any of those, right? It's just absolutely preposterous. Our team, I would argue, is the worst supporting cast. It's us and the Jets. I can't think of anybody in the NFL off the top of my head that's a worst supporting cast of talent around the quarterback position this side of the New York Jets. There isn't. We have a bad offensive line, our number one tight end. Look, at, I'm, I'm just going to use the tight end position as a microcosm of our offense. Um, shout out to John Smalley. You'll appreciate this. Uh, Look, the tight end spot, we, number one, have Logan Thomas. He's been a tight end for, what, three years, two years? Um, he was drafted as a quarterback. He still played from, quarterback for a couple of years in the NFL. I mean, yeah. not played. He was on he, the he has, quarterback. He has a start in the NFL, I think, as a quarterback. And he is our – he was – and he's our tight end number one. Tight end number two, fucking ball, whatever his name is. I don't, like, he's so bad, I don't know his name. He's been on the practice squad for, I think, three years in Carolina. The only reason why he's on our team is because he knows Ron. He came from Ohio State, has a little bit of familiarity with Haskins, but practice squad guy, non-drafted, non-descript, who cares? Move on. Um, number three is Jeremy Sprinkle. Not even worth talking about. <laughs> Not even worth talking about. That's, that's in the NFL, the tight end position has become almost, you could argue, one of the most critical positions in any offense. Look at the teams that are look – at, look at the Ravens. The Ravens have tight ends coming from every angle. They can block. Their running game's awesome. Their fucking Indic Andrews, whatever the frick his name is, is incredible. Like, if Carson Wentz could complete a pass, and if some, if if the boogeyman didn't invade Carson, dude, he has two of the best tight ends in the league. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Goddard had another great game, and Wentz missed him a bunch of times yesterday. Like Goddard could have had another monster game. I still think he finished with a decent stat line. I have to go back and look at the numbers, but like I was watching bits and pieces and clips and stuff like that. He missed Goddard several times, or like just blatantly missed Goddard running wide open down the field, or like you know relatively open. So that there's a bunch. Uh, the Rams with Tyler Higby, three touchdowns yesterday. Um, Noah Phantom in, in Denver, uh, Darren awesome. Waller on the Raiders. Yeah, it's like, Waller right now is balling out. There's so many good tight ends, and they're not all first and second round picks, right? Like, there are places you can get them. Tyler Higby is a perfect example. I think he's a late three. And uh, it's Dude, pretty we could, we could trade our We could trade our extra third round pick right now for someone like O.G. Howard. Um, or Najoku. There are teams that have excess tight ends that we could trade for. I hate when Washington fans, anytime a player becomes available, like, we should go get him. O.J. Howard was the one player, and I'm like, Bruce Arians hates the tight end position. One of my big soapboxes before the season started was like, I can't believe anyone buys Rob Gronkowski in Tampa Bay this year, and I'm like, he's going to get completely not used at all. Because Bruce Arians hates hates tight ends. And I'm like, O.J. Howard, he is a – he Dude. has to be on the block. And I'm like, and you didn't even try? Or at least to our knowledge, you didn't even try? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I was one of the fans. I was all in on trading for Allen Robinson when, when the smoke kind of came up. He wanted out. Only because I was like, I don't care if we give up draft picks. 
if we want to be good, Haskins has to be good, and he's got no to throw to. So I was like all in on that. I was I was all in on that. Point being, not to like talk about this. Look, look. Right now, the we used Burrow as an example. The the hot name today that people were comparing to was Herbert because he came in on uh, uh, for Tyrod and, and balled out again. He's throwing to freaking some of the best players in the league. I also we don't think have that Keenan Allen on this roster. We don't have Keenan Allen or or uh, Mike Williams or Austin yep. Eckler or Hunter Henry. Like we don't yeah. have any of those guys. Um, and so there's a lot to my point being is like Haskins is going to be judged unfairly because our offensive line sucks and he's got no one to throw to. So he kind of has to do it on all himself. I will say though, like if he wants to be our starting quarterback next year, he a he has to start playing. Oh, damn. Uh, a, he has to start playing better. And B, he's got to start elevating this team to play better. And he can't miss those throws to Inman. He can't miss the Logan Thomas throw. Like, I will be in his corner for the whole year because I think he could be really good. But to start playing better, if we want to go anywhere as a franchise, like sooner than later, uh, we need him to be good because we can't afford – we are not a pick away from being – a playoff team. We are two or three picks away from being a playoff team. My point being, I don't want to waste more draft capital on the quarterback position, uh, unless it's Trevor Lawrence because we have the first round pick uh, or the number one overall pick. Uh, but you know, two things to be sure. I'm, I think he can be good, but I'm pumped he doesn't turn the ball over. But at the same time, like it's time for this guy to start balling out a little bit because I don't care. If he has no one to throw to, make your team better. It's funny. I was going back and kind of looking at some quarterbacks. Obviously, so these are some of the biggest names in the NFL right now. Um, I don't. We were talking about this a little bit before the pod started, and I, I don't like bringing political slash socio political matters into the sports realm. I think you know I'm not one of those keep you know stick to sports types of people. I just you know they're two separate conversations, and you know you should never really talk about one thing, but. There's a lot of dis- there's a lot of intellectual laziness and dishonesty among the Washington football team fan base, particularly those who tend to be of minority descent. And I'll just call it out: African Americans and like, oh, you're just hating on Dwayne Haskins because he's black. And so let's just look at this from a from an equilibrium perspective, right? Um, Russell Wilson was excellent in 2013, his second year in the league. Might have had one of the best supporting casts, but that fact is a fact. Uh, Patrick Mahomes burned the fucking league to the ground in his second year, right? 50 touchdowns, just murdered everybody. So did Lamar Jackson. Kyler Murray is in his second year, and he was excellent. And he looks like he is going to have a burn the league to the ground type of year. We are seeing the development or the ascension of quarterbacks earlier and earlier this year. Now, the big thing for all of these, especially for Patrick Mahomes, especially for Lamar Jackson, especially for Kyler Murray, and probably to a large extent for Russell Wilson, they had offensive schemes and coaches that were tailor-made for each one of them. Look at what Haskins has had to go through, right? Totally. Look at the the, the, the the turmoil and everything like that. All of those were great players put into great situations, all four of them. I am much more bullish on, Kyle, on Cliff Kingsbury than you are, but another conversation for another day, right? So, um, so can, I, yes. can I piggyback on that? Yes, please. Um, you're 100% right, by the way. Uh, I, I'm wondering, this is, I'm just talking out loud. So it's a little bit of a payback slash I'm just, Something you said triggered something in my mind. I wonder if Scott Turner was hired with the idea that him and Haskins can grow together. 
Turner only was an offensive coordinator for five games, I think, in Carolina last year. Um, so it's not – and my point being is, like, Kevin O'Connor was, uh, what, eight games as the offensive coordinator? No, 11 because Gruden got fired. Uh, but he was really only the offensive coordinator for probably the last five games. My point being is those guys came into systems that were in place. Those coaches for both those teams, uh, I'm, I'm talking Lamar and Mahomes, had been there, tailor-made offenses for them, and they took off. I wonder if Rivera was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep Haskins, I'm gonna roll with him, and I'm gonna bring in a coordinator who's young and they can grow together. And by the end of the year, this team will be rolling. That's my hope. I because well, the second I mean, the second year the second year thing is so spot on. So many quarterbacks are awesome their second year now. And you said this you've said this very much so that like he Rivera makes no apologies about the fact that this is a continuum. We are early, early on in a large rebuilding process. So he, he didn't bring in, you know, the Phil Jackson that go get me a ring now. He brought in, it could very, I would, I would be hard pressed to disagree with your analysis that, you know, he brought in someone who he knew would himself in a coaching perspective, go through growing pains, but they could do so together while kind of figuring each other out and both of them figuring out the league at the same time. So um, yeah, I, I would be again hard pressed to disagree with that that takeaway. Also, you're, you're spot on. Drew Brees is is being kind of dumpy right now. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's kind of washed. My bad juju theory going into the year. I just I um, I, uh, I wrote about this in my this pre- wide open dude preseason quarterback ranking that we we right around thirty nine forty. I can't remember exactly how old breeze is right now is when you start to really start to see the decline. This is my big argument about Brady, you know, fuck TV 12, fuck all the anti-inflammation diets and stuff like that. Brady's decline was visible in new England. Very much. So um, breeze threw us off the scent last year because he didn't play in eight games. And so his arm didn't start to kind of fall off towards the end of the year. Cause he still had a little bit of juice cause he missed half the season. And I'm like, I wonder how much that's going to come back to bite him. Like at some point, father time, and I shouldn't say some father time is undefeated as the saying goes, you know, and I, I wonder, are we there yet? It just felt like the saints window closed. I, I will firmly maintain that the saints window closed when the NFL failed to call the pass interference on Nicole Roby Coleman a couple of years ago in the championship. Oh. It was one of the most egregious things I've ever seen in my entire Too life. Soon. Right. I feel uh, bad. I, I feel so bad for saints fans. <laughs> I picked the saints to, to go to the Super Bowl that year. And I was furious just from a, preseason prediction standpoint in terms of like being wrong about this off of such a terrible miss in terms of officiating. Um, uh, just to finalize to, to finalize what one thing you said, and I want to make sure I'm very clear that if you think as a fan of the Washington football team, that replacing Haskins with Kyle Allen or Alex Smith is the answer, do us all a favor and go play on 495 in the middle of rush hour. Just simple as that, because you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, we're not good. <laughs> All right. Like, that's just that. Um, I think from there, we're going to segue just to kind of looking ahead to week three, right? Week three, yeah. Yep. Week three of the season, um, playing against the Cleveland Browns. Um, there's an Odell Beckham feces joke to be made somewhere in here, but I'm going to leave it for another moment. Um, I will talk about the fact that Odell Beckham is coming back after their resurrection game, albeit against the Cincinnati Bengals, that we discussed. Um, you know, Baker's Baker he can do a lot better. He can do a lot of dumb things. Um, We could force him into bad decisions. Uh, I think the interesting thing kind of circling back to the theme of much of this podcast, Cleveland's defense is good. 
I want to make sure we're very clear because everyone's like, oh, it's just the Cleveland Browns. They suck at LOL 0-16 a couple years ago. Cleveland's defense is good. And in fact, if I read my social media correctly, Cleveland's defense is number one in DVOA after two weeks in the season. Don't forget, I, I think their back seven can be had, although their secondary has pieces like Denzel Ward. Uh, they've got Miles Garrett. Who on our offensive line is going to guard Miles Garrett? Miles Garrett is fucking Superman in terms of like, like in terms of his body and the way he plays the game. Tell me, you could put all five of our dudes on Miles Garrett; they ain't blocking him, right? Uh, he could eat all game long, and that's not even mentioning the fact that they've got other dudes on the offensive line. So, you know, the stuff that we saw against Arizona—it's not like it's just going to go away because we're playing Cleveland. This is not your same old dumpy Cleveland Browns. They beat. Um, they beat Cincinnati pretty handily. I don't think we're that much better of a football team in Cincinnati, as we just discussed a moment ago. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt looked excellent against Cincinnati, even if it was Cincinnati, but they bludgeoned I believe, them. I can't believe Hunt's their number two. I can't either. I, I can't believe the right guy's still in the league. But um, you Regardless know. of how terrible of a human being he is, he's pretty freaking good. Um, you know, and there's still Odell Beckham. There's still Juice Landry. There's still Austin Hooper, for whatever that's worth. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, let's not chalk it up. I don't, it's not no code red must win, you know, the season's over game because we're not in that type of situation. But let's not say everything is suddenly going to magically be fixed next week. Um, I'm not going to. I don't think, think there's a, there a code red for our team. I don't think. Exactly. That I don't point. think that, there's, that needs to be ever said at any point because we're yeah. never in a code red yeah. situation. No. At least not this um, year. You made one mistake. The number one DVA or whatever it's called, uh, defense in the league is actually Redskins. Shut the front um, door. Uh, look it up. Um, look, you're spot on. Garrett's going to just demolish our line. Um, like, I'm actually kind of excited just to watch him just because he's going to get to go up against, you know, they'll probably – they move him around quite a bit, so I'm guessing he'll be one-on-one with a lot of our um, offensive linemen. And I pray, I pray that Turner – knows that going in and moves Haskins around or, you know, calls a lot of like quick hitting plays just so we don't have to worry about Haskins sitting in the pocket. I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but the stats of Haskins throwing the ball under two seconds versus uh, when he has more than two seconds are nuts. I wanted to get to that. Uh, Nikki Javala, the new uh, yeah, shout out to her. Good shout out to her. Cause she's Indian. Um, the new reporter to the post, uh, she made, tweeted that great um, stat, the breakdown between Haskins when he throws the ball after two seconds in the pocket and below, under two seconds, and the ones where under two seconds are just like off the charts, and the ones after two seconds are hideous. So, Remember yeah, that. I wanted to get to that, and I didn't. So, Greg, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and the Baker thing to me, God damn, car is dealing. Uh, the Baker thing to me, he should be a lot better than – like. If Haskins had those weapons and he was sucking, I would be pissed. Um, they have weapons all over. We people forget we actually went after Hooper for what it's worth until the money, the price tag went too, got too high. Um, and although <laughs> having watched our football team now, I kind of wish we'd thrown the bag at him. Um, not really, but kind of. Uh, he also has Landry. He has uh, you know OBJ. And they're great compliments to each other, in my opinion. Landry reminds me of Pierre Garçon, just an angry, determined dude. OBJ should be awesome, but he's such a head case. You never really kind of know what you're going to get. One of the story is our first five games of the year, we knew going in were going to be really hard. And a lot of people had us going 0-5, 1-4, what have you. You and I had us, I think we both are at 6-10. and 
even though we looked like a three and thirteen team last week. Um, look, I'm, I'm not still very comfortable to, with that. Six yeah, 10. I'm not picking us to win this game. Um, I drained the Kool Aid last week and I pushed it on you. I'm not going to make us do that this time. Uh, we're in Cle- We're in Cleveland. They looked pretty good against the Bengals. Maybe maybe that snaps in a little mojo. My my hope going into this game is they're like, oh, it's the Redskins. Um, like they look at us and they're like, oh, we win. We don't have to even show up. My big That's exactly. My hope. I think Cleveland ha- is is very much a team that can spend the week smelling itself, as we used to say yeah. with Washington. You know, after a big yeah. win, that was one of the Gruden's biggest things. That after a big win, couldn't get the team from uh, get the team for to a second. Beat the freaking Lions or whoever. And I think uh, Cleveland is very susceptible to that. That's my yeah. only redeeming grace, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so, but things I'll look for is, you know, I'm gonna be kind of honest with you. Moreau's been pretty good. I think our corners might be better than I thought they were. I'm late to the. Uh, I was deliberately or de- uh, I was, you know, deliberately late. Moreland for what situation? Moreland's been good. Moreland's been good. Well. Moreland, Moreau's been good. And, oh, fingers crossed we'll finally get Fuller back. Um, I still I vehemently, disagree. I, I vehemently disagree with your take about moving to free safety. I will die on that hill. Um, okay, well, we can disagree. I don't care. Get Apke off the field. That's basically yeah, what I'm I'll, I'll play with 10 games if, if Fuller's at corner and Apke's not on the field. Uh, 10 to, with 10 okay. I'm, fine, I'm fine with 10 people on the field. As long yeah. as Apke's not on the field. Um, the, so I'll be looking for, I'm going to look for how we stack up because our corners have played fairly well, all things considered, but now, now it's not like, oh, we're going to match up, you know, we can kind of shade Hopkins or something. They got two dudes on that team that can line up and go get the ball. Uh, I mentioned PFF earlier. I don't know how much you follow them or how how much you're into their analytics, but Kevin Pierre Lewis was... Uh, on their first team all defense this past week, and he's the highest graded pass the uh, passer rating, the linebacker pass coverage rating, out of everyone. Uh, I think he so flashed a couple times during the game against Arizona, which they, is ironic. I think they, he did. I, I have to go back to my notes. Super, they put him down as their quote superstar in the making because um, he's played. Yeah, that's what I said. Also, shout out to KPL. He's good friends with my brother-in-law, so please be good. Um, and then, obviously, I will be glued to Haskins. Um, if we win this game, Baker's going to win the game for us by making some dumb mistake. Uh, and we're able to neutralize their pass rush with screens. Um, that's my take on the game. I don't think we will win. I do think if we don't win this game, we probably will be one and four. Uh, because we're staring them. If we can't contain Kyle Murray, good luck trying to contain Lamar Jackson. Um, oh mother of god is it baltimore right after i know i knew that we have them soon yeah. i wasn't sure if it was it's right ravens after. and then it's ravens and rams our first five games are brutal Ugh. um i thought we had the lions in there maybe that was mid-season uh but case in point i, I don't i'm not going to say we're going to win but of the next three games we have this is easily the most winnable uh and obviously we'll get the juices fired up if we do win and i think we can win i do think we can beat them but i don't think we will uh so that's my take on the I'm if it was in DC, if it was in DC, I'd probably still take the Browns, but I my homerism would probably overtake me and I would I would pick us. But we're in Cleveland. They played on Thursday, so they have ten full days of rest. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up as a Browns win. Yeah. Uh, I'm praying that they smell themselves all week and um Odell particularly smells himself after a lot of partying. And I yes, I am talking about smelling himself after that. So we'll just leave it there. Um fantastic. 
Thank you so much for everyone who's made it this far. Sorry we couldn't impart you on a more optimistic note, but hey, reality sets in at times. Um, as always, implore you as we kind of spread the additional platforms that our podcast on, make sure you subscribe to us and follow us on the appropriate ones. And until then, we will talk to you next week in the same capacity. Also, shout out to the one Nats fan on the bar on the rooftop booing Bryce Harper today. I respect you. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.